Awesome. One more time, let's give it up for him. <laughs> well, good morning. We can do better than that. Good morning. Awesome. Okay, we're here. It's Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. Come on, it's Palm Sunday. Yeah, it's Palm Sunday. <laughs> also, if you're following the Masters at all, it's the final day of the tournament, so I'm excited about that as well. I've been watching golf for the last few days. It's great. Hey, we're uh, really excited to be here today. I'm excited to preach today, not just because I get to preach, but also because of who I get to preach with. Uh, this is Skylar Pilardo. Everybody, welcome Skylar. Hello. Yeah. Skylar, uh, for those of you who don't know, he is uh, one of our full-time employees here at the church. He's our go-getter. He's our, hey, we need your help. Can you help us? Uh, he's our custodian. He's our facility manager. He's the guy that does basically everything we need when it comes to helping us solve problems. Skylar is the man. And uh, he's amazing. He's also one of our youth interns uh, holding us together in our youth department uh, between him and Cole and, and Mitchell as well. Um, I often love to reflect on the fact that these guys are doing the role of like one full-time pastor. They're doing the role in half the time, well, divided by three of you, a third of the time, and uh, they're just amazing. They're doing it so good, but um, he has just continued to just surprise me as he's just growing and uh, confronting all of life's challenges and the things uh, that come up against him. He's, he's growing, and he's maturing in such an amazing way, and how many of you know that we need strong, young, mature followers of Christ in the church? We really do, and uh, Skylar's one of those people, and so I'm really excited to have uh, an opportunity to preach with you today. We've got a message this morning um, that hopefully is going to bring a really great conclusion to our series, Good and Beautiful Life. We're hoping to kind of bookend this series, and uh, if you haven't had a chance to read the book, or maybe you thought, ah, oh, they're preaching on the content, I'll just come every Sunday and listen to what they have to say, I won't read the book. There is so much good content in this book to go through church, mm -hmm. and uh, I will tell you some of the weeks we kind of just touch down on some of the content, and some of the weeks we're right in it, and we're digging through it, and so if you haven't read the book please pick that up. You're missing out on such a great resource. Uh, if you haven't watched any of the messages, you can find those as well on our website at tfhchurch.ca forward slash watch. And uh, each and every week we touch on a chapter and hopefully give you some principles and practices that can help shape the life that God intended you to have. Um, before we get really into it today, we want to acknowledge that this, this is a bit strange. A little different. This is awkward. It's a little, not awkward. No, no. You're not awkward. I'm not no. awkward. This is just strange. Just a little different. A little different. Yeah. yeah. It's buy one, get one free Sunday. It's uh, <laughs> two for the price of one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We put in uh, twice the work, and yeah, it was great. It was so good. Um, we're, we're looking forward to it today. We're going to jump into some conversation, and that's what this table is all about. Um, we were excited when we got this table because it just represents who we are in wanting to create a space for conversation, to connect, to grow together. And uh, Skylar and I just thought, hey, let's just talk. Let's just have a conversation. Yep. Let's just share together. So we're excited about that. We're going to share what the Holy Spirit's been laying on our hearts this morning and uh, been downloading to us over the past couple weeks. Um, I'm sure that you would relate. I, I know that you will. Mm -hmm. And for many of you, I know that you, you might. There, there are turning points in our life uh, where we come to a, a point that causes us to take a turn. And it might be, you know, a drastic turn and a, a trajectory change that we absolutely can acknowledge is real. Each one of us, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you can probably isolate a single moment where you recognize a, a decision that you made that set the course for where you'd end up. Um, there's a lot of different examples that I could touch on when it comes to this, um, but I thought one example would probably be this. Uh, it's, it's the gaslight. The gaslight that comes on your dashboard. Anybody? Yeah? 
it's not a great sign, right? It's not a great sign. If you see that light, part of us just goes, oh, especially now, right? With the prices so high, oh, right? there's just a <laughs> shudder. There's a shudder in our spirit when that happens. Um, but maybe you fit into one of these two statements. I'm not sure. Let's check them out. There's two kinds of people. Let's take a look here. Two kinds of people. There's the one on empty that can, says, I can drive 10 more miles. And there's the one that's just about three quarters of a tank, and you're thinking, better get gas now, right? <laughs> Which one are you, Skylar? Oh, I'm definitely better get gas now. Yeah, I'm on the opposite. I'm definitely on, like, I can drive 10 more. I can, do, I can go 10 more. If, uh, honestly, if I'm being really serious with you this morning and honest with you, though, I'm absolutely more this person. Uh, when this light comes on, I just sing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's how it is. That's how it is. My wife and I had to have a conversation and say, like, please make every effort not to leave me with the gaslight on. <laughs> this was her begging me <laughs> to do this. Because I got to admit, there's a season of my life where, you know, the moment that the gaslight came on, I pop that reset kilometer button in, right? And I say, game on, right? <laughs> Set a new high score, right? <laughs> we got to see if we beat the last record. I want to I know how far I can go without running out. I felt like I need that. I need to know how far I can go before running out. After all, you got to know your vehicle, mm -hmm. right? What was your record? Well, my record was 64 kilometers oh, uh, on a Chevrolet Cavalier. However, once I found out how far I could go before I ran out, I needed to know way less. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it was way less than I thought I needed to know. <laughs> And I was really far from any gas station. It wasn't great. Disappointment, failure. I'm, you're, sometimes you're wiser on the other side of those things. <laughs> I mean, I remember years ago when I had my first car, mm -hmm. a 2005 Dodge Caravan. Classic. I love that van. <laughs> I drove it to school every day, listened to music. We'd load it up with friends, six people, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, and we would just, yeah. It was just a lot of fun. We could take it anywhere, load it up with a load of people. But I remember one specific time we were going to Connect Camp, our youth camp, and we had to get all of the sound equipment to set up on the stage. So they were like, Skylar, we can use your van. I was Perfect. like, sure. Yeah, what I didn't realize was how much sound equipment <laughs> it takes to run a youth camp. So my van is filled from top to bottom with sound equipment, and no joke, I have a speaker riding shotgun with me and a mic stand laying across my dash. Super safe. Oh, it was so safe. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure a monitor was, like, lighting behind my head oh, in the seat. Surround sound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but my van literally drove probably, like, a foot lower yeah. than what it normally would, yeah. and going up the hills was like, mm, I'm not sure <laughs> if I'm going to make it up this. But by the time I traded in that van for the car I drive now, I knew it inside it out. Yeah. I knew that if I had gone to school on a day and my gas light was on, I had enough fuel to get to school, my university I was going to in Edmonton, and then some of the way back. <laughs> Emphasis on some. Um, I learned this because one day I was driving, listening to music, yeah. and all of a sudden my engine starts to sputter. Oh. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> why, am I, why is my car slowing down? And I realized, and it clicked in my brain, Skyler saw the fuel light <laughs> on in the morning and was like, I'll be fine. I'm sure I can make it. Yeah. Spoilers, I wasn't. I did not, <laughs> in fact, make it home. So now I'm panicking. I'm thinking, dear God, I'm going to run out of gas. And if you've ever been on 97th Street, the place I was, you know that there's like 10 gas stations just <laughs> all around you. I could literally turn my head and be like, oh, there's a gas station. <laughs> so it made it a little bit more embarrassing when I was walking backwards <laughs> to go pick up my gas. And I'm like, okay, well, I could have just pulled in right here. <laughs>
You know, my dad always talked about the importance of maintaining your vehicle. Yeah. Tire pressure, fluids, oil changes, making sure you have enough uh, uh, scraper in the back, all those different things. And one of the lessons he taught me, and one I clearly forgot, <laughs> was that make sure you have enough gas to get where you're going. Um, sometimes I think back on that day and I compare it to how I was living. Driving a car on empty isn't just risky in terms of like leaving you stranded, but it can actually cause damage to your engine if you do it. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, it's, it's not even just about running on empty or even, you know, driving with low fuel. It's actually part of a much bigger picture. It's this thought, it's this question of are we caring for the whole, right? Are we looking after what we've been given? Um, you know, many of us like to push the limits in not just this area of life, right? If we're honest, we like to push the limits. But um, we're really getting at that today. We're really getting at, are we taking care of the whole? And we're going to touch on four of Jesus's narratives uh, where he uses stories and different narratives to describe the options and then outcomes uh, for us in our life. And um, whether we're either heading toward kind of that low gaslight moment or we're maintaining and caring for our lives, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say today. We've titled our message, Living in the Kingdom Day by Day. That's the chapter of our book, Living in the Kingdom Day by Day. So let's pray and we'll press in together this morning. Father, we come to you today and uh, we're excited to kind of be confronted with this moment, this low gaslight moment maybe today, where we can just evaluate where are things at, what do we need? So God, we pray today that you would leave us different than we came, that we would go from this place today encouraged and hopeful that your Holy Spirit would empower us this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, before I was a Christian, before I knew God, I used to let my tank run on empty a lot, and not mm -hmm. just in my gas tank. I was living my life on low fuel. I was dragging myself through. My days felt long and my weeks felt longer, but it didn't make any sense to me at the time because I was doing all the things the world was telling me to do. I was exercising. Mm -hmm. I was eating right. My parents made sure of that. <laughs> I was... Uh, socializing. I was doing all the things that the world was telling me, if you do these things, your gauge should rise. You should have more energy. But nothing I was doing seemed to work. I was frustrated, if I'm being honest. I was giving myself so much fuel, doing everything the world says you need to do, yet it wasn't making a difference. And here's what I learned. It wasn't the quantity of fuel that mattered, but rather the source from which I was pulling. Everything I was doing was coming down to my own strength and ability. And I'll be fully honest, at that time, I was hurting. I wasn't strong enough to lift myself out of this pain, and I didn't think anything could. Frankly, I just accepted that that was going to be how my life was going to be. I would be dragging myself through day by day, barely having enough energy to make it from point A to point B in my day, and there would be no joy in the middle. What it finally took for me to change was a single action on my part. It was that I chose to accept Jesus into my life. Mm. And you know what? I was, for that first little while, I was living in relationship with Jesus. I was living off a spiritual high when right. I accepted him into my life. It was, everything was great. Life was going fantastic. But then, after some time, I felt my gauge start to drop. Yeah. I felt it start to go down, and I started asking, why is this happening? I have Jesus, my energy, my gauge shouldn't be going down. And what I came to realize was that, and how many of you guys know this, acknowledging a relationship doesn't mean you are participating in it. Wow. I would meet Jesus at youth group on a Friday night or at my care group or on Sunday, 
in those main moments, Jesus would be present with me, and I would be present with him. But in the day-to-day, in the mornings and the evenings and the times in between, I didn't know him. I wasn't trying to know him. And I didn't realize how much of an effort I had to put in Mm. to make sure that my relationship with Jesus was not just on a Sunday or just on a Friday, but it was Monday through Sunday, morning till night. Totally. Throughout the series, we've talked a lot about that, about the kinds of decisions and habits that we can make to live a good and beautiful life, to hopefully live a good and beautiful life. But some of us still live from a position and perspective that's just outside of the fullness of the kingdom of God. Um, it's easy to consciously choose to make decisions and then actually those decisions sometimes subconsciously end up becoming disciplines uh, that we end up, you know, living our life keeping us in control. They keep us in control rather than fully submitting to anyone or anything and uh, let alone kingdom living. What I mean by that is that it's easy to live in positions where we retain authority, Mm. where we control you know, um, are we actually willing to give Christ the seat is kind of the question that I came up with that kind of hit me. Are we willing to give him the control? Are we willing to give him the primary seat in our lives? And for some of us, we are. We make the decision, we make the choice to choose to follow Jesus, to accept him into our life. And we want him to rule. We want him to lead us. But then it's easy to step in uh, at moments and say, hey, Jesus, would, would you mind if I actually sit there for a little bit? Would you mind if I actually uh, sit there? Don't go far, Jesus. You're doing great. But, but do you mind if I just control when it comes to my boss and my salary? Mm. Do you mind if I just step in and, and re- remain in, contr- in the driver's seat when it comes to my marriage and relationships? Oh, God, you know what? I'd rather that you didn't step in when it comes to morals and values because that's just not going to be a very happy life. And we start to kind of ask Jesus to step aside in different areas, and it's too complicated and we kind of believe, I, I can't really live in fullness here with you in that seat. You know, James Bryan Smith, the author of the books that we're going through, pulls a stat that I find very astounding. Yeah. It says approximately only 10% of Christians are active in developing their relationship with God. This is a frightening number, church. That means that in this room, if we applied the same thought, let's say there's 100 people here, yeah. that would mean that 10 of us are actively developing our relationship with God. And you know what I learned after the first few months of being a Christian? Mm. What forced me to realize that I needed to develop that relationship with God? Mm. It was that faith on its own is not enough. It's true. I mean, uh, all of the things that we've been discussing week after week after week, the biggest mistake that we would make, and for us too, this is clarifying, and something that we really realized is the biggest mistake we could make is walking away from this series having a list of things to do to get closer to God. It's not about what we do. It's not about those things. It's way deeper than that. And there's, there's two false narratives that this chapter specifically touches on right away. And we want to start with those from our text. So, Skylar, why don't you tell us false narrative number one. What is it? Yeah, it's what matters is having faith in Jesus, not having an ongoing relationship with him. Yeah. It's easy to understand we, why we might believe that narrative. We can tend to place so much emphasis on the moment of salvation, which is to say, We can prioritize saving people, but not calling them forward into discipleship. Wow. And I was on fire for God. I believed in him. I attended church faithfully, served in youth group wherever I could, and helped as much as I could. I believed in God completely, or at least I thought I did. But I didn't understand that beyond faith, 
I needed to be in relationship with him. Mm. I love how Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Yeah. Faith, church, is the entry point. Without it, it is impossible to please God. The author of Hebrews tells us this, but he doesn't stop there. No, instead he continues on and he says he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Mm-hmm. We are called to seek him out, not at church just alone, not at uh, youth group alone, and not off of faith alone, but through relationship. Yeah. If we are being honest with ourselves and with God, how often do we set aside the relationship God desires to have with us and instead say, God, I believe in you, and that's enough? Wow. Now, I don't think we do this with our words necessarily. I don't say, you know what, God? I want the seat for money. I'm going to tell you that right now. I want to have control over my life. But we certainly show it with our actions. Mm. For example, if you're in a relationship with a person and you consistently tell them, how much they mean to you, how much you value them, and how much you care about them, but then you never prioritize that person, you never give them the attention that is required to bring about a relationship, then you are either lying to yourself about how important they are to you, or you're lying to them about how much you value them. And I think that's super important because, don't get me wrong, some Jesus is better than no Jesus, But if the only time you open your heart to him on a Sunday, if the only time you open your heart to him is on a Sunday, then you are missing the opportunity for him to enter your life and to radically transform you day by day. Not just on a Sunday, not just when you're at care group, but every moment of your life can become a transformational moment. So he's doing great, hey? So good. So good. Another false narrative that we believe is that the only way to be a good Christian is to keep all of the rules. You know, many of us immediately when we hear that, some of you even that came today, probably predict in some way every Sunday they're going to just tell me what I can and can't do, right? We, we, we hate it. We hate being told what to do. We don't love it. It's, it's, we have this resistance to rules. Yet as Christians, uh, sometimes we overcompensate and then reinforce in our lives that in order to be a good Christian, and sometimes Christians are the worst because we actually say in order to consider yourself a Christian at all, you have to follow all of the rules. It's not true. We pit rules over relationship. And it's easy to do this because relationship is actually the more complex out of the two. Relationship is harder. But if we commit to following the rules, that will keep us in line and will keep us on the same path. The problem with this way of thinking is that it doesn't lead to a satisfying life. Think about it. As humans, we, we are created with a passion and a desire for more than just do this and don't do that. God, the very author of creation, inspired, in, in inspired creation, created you and I, created humanity, and then what? Said, do this and don't do that? No. Created humanity with a brain, with passion, with, with, with desire. With, with this incredible exchange that happens, these things that happen in our body that cause us to want and crave and, and, need, and need different things. And God created us with those things. So it's, out of, it's completely out of our hands when it comes to the control uh, of doing this and don't doing that. It's not just about rules. In our DNA, who we are, how we've been made, we are created 
for more than that. We're created with intelligence. We're created with passion. The Pharisees in biblical times were incredibly diligent with following rules. And uh, they had established uh, certain sets of rules in order to follow the, the teachings of the time. And I say this with grace because I do it too. But they had kind of created systems, um, I'll call them micro-kingdoms. Micro-kingdoms where their authority was, was, was rules. Their rules were authority. Uh, a kingdom where uh, they ultimately maintained the primary seat of authority. And Jesus came and he disrupted this entire way of thinking. And as he ushered in this new kingdom, a kingdom where relationship was primary, how many of you know that the Pharisees actually thought that Jesus was there to reinforce their, their authority? But Jesus actually came and ushered in a new kingdom. Jesus ushered in a new kingdom where relationship was primary. Faith and action partnered together in this beautiful exchange, causing a, a change inside of us. Christ Jesus invites us into a relationship that inspires us toward maturity, toward knowing him more. Yeah, I mean, this is what it's all about. In probably, in my opinion, the greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses this. Yeah. I think he knows that this is going to be a challenge for his followers, so he makes it very straightforward. And he actually addresses the false narratives that we talked about. So if you're taking notes and want to live in the kingdom day by day, write this down. Kingdom living principle number one, there is only one way to the good and beautiful life. Look at the illustration found in Matthew 7 verses 13 to 14. Let's read that together. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Yeah. So what does this tell us about what it takes to walk with Jesus? This is the ultimate example of the world's way versus God's way. I believe that I may want to go through the wide gate. It looks appealing. It can look opening because so many people are walking through it. However, I do want to offer a distinction. And I didn't realize this until I looked into the scripture. Yeah. Jesus never says that the wide gate's going to be easy. He never says that it's going to be the easier path. In fact, I love what D.A. Carson says in his book, simply titled Matthew. The wide gate seems far more inviting. The broad road, not easy, is spacious and accommodates the crowd mm -hmm. and their baggage. Now, church, how often wow. can we look at the world's way as the easy way? when in reality, the only thing it affords us is the ability to carry things forward that we probably should have left behind. Wow. It all comes down to control. I want to live my life my way, choosing what I want to do and how I want to spend my time. Now, what about the small gate? You know, the original Greek for narrow in this passage, and I'll do my best here, it's a little <laughs> bit of a mouthful, is tethylimony which means to be made narrow by pressure or to compress. You know, the path we travel down is not an easy one. It's going to require us to leave behind things that we might not want to at the yeah. start. It's going to force us and pressure us. And in doing so, it's going to refine us, turn us into someone who is able to follow God on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, both roads can be challenging, one in attempt to carry your baggage and the other in surrendering it to Jesus. Yet while they might both look similar, in certain ways, the destination could not be more profoundly different. The wide gate leads us to death and destruction. 
It's an easy road in terms of I can take what I want, but that can lead us towards, and it just isn't good. Yeah. But the narrow gate, it refines us. The pressure, it shapes us and makes it so that we are more like Christ and that when we arrive to the end of that journey, we are arriving to an everlasting and joyful life in eternity. Come on. So good, man. Kingdom living principle number two is this. It builds right on this. Jesus' entire narrative. The next one is from the inside out. So after teaching on this in, in, in Scripture, it's important to understand that Jesus' sermon here is structured in such a way that the first verses here that we, we just shared with you talk about the wide, the narrow gate. Uh, but then Jesus, uh, immediately following in the next section of Scripture, touches on the inner and outer characteristics of who we are. He's, he's very calculated in how he's doing this. He's first talking about the direction that we go, and then he's talking about the position and posture of our heart. Let's read this, the way he contrasts it. Matthew seven fifteen to 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. This is an incredibly uncomfortable thing to apply to our own lives. Um, if you claim to live in the kingdom, the, the easiest way to analyze where you're at, that kind of gaslight moment, where are things, that caution sign, is start to analyze and inspect the kind of fruit that you're bearing. Hmm. Are you bearing, producing fruit that's actually spoiled, sour and bitter to the taste? It's a challenging question. The biggest error that we make in our thought process is expecting physical changes to produce inner transformation. And I'm going to share with you this, this idea, and I'm going to be vulnerable. This, I'm not saying this to make light of it. This is something that I've actually kind of struggled with in my own life and really grasping until the last couple weeks, mm -hmm. and we've been spending time in this here. I, I've worked out at the gym. I've gone through seasons of that. I've played sports. I, I know what I have to do. I've taken some kinesiology. I understand the things that I have to do to create discipline and to see the results that I want in my life. But it's something that I've struggled with. I've struggled because I, I've, I've worked out and I've tried doing this for small seasons of time and I haven't really seen the lasting physical change that I hope for. And I've wondered to myself time and time and time again, why is that? Why is that, Tyler? This is so frustrating. But, but the more that I take ownership, ownership of it, the more that I actually look inside, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Something inside of me is resisting the change. My inner being has not yet aligned with my outer being. And, and Jesus is trying to connect the two, and, and he's trying to connect to our hearts. And he's saying that if the inside isn't good, it won't produce good results. If you try to do something on the outside without having alignment on the inside, it's not going to work. It's not going to produce the results you want. You can't abide in Jesus and yet live in regular sin and hope to produce righteousness. You can't. It won't happen. The fruit you'll see in your life will be bitter, sour, and bad. It's not going to happen. And, and we don't like it, but the, you know, the work has to start in our hearts. And so Jesus, what he's doing is he's laying this up for us. Kingdom principle number one, he's saying, you got to know where you're going. Which way are you going? Which direction are you choosing? Which path are you selecting? And then kingdom principle two is how is your heart? Where are you at? What do you desire in here? Yeah, that's so true. 
Kingdom living principle number three is there's only one way to the kingdom. How often can we catch ourselves doing good things, but for the wrong reasons? Mm. It always reminds me of saying, Mrs. Agri, one of the elders in our church says, and she told me about encouragement versus flattery. Encouragement is for the other person, the desire to lift them up, fill them with life. Flattery is for myself so that I might influence how you think about me and shape how your perspective of me in a more positive light. What matters less is what I say, but the heart behind what I'm saying. And, you know, that is also how it is in the kingdom. What is our heart when we perform good deeds or even miracles? Where are we coming from and what are we desiring to see pouring out of us? Mm. Same with the fruit. So good. So as we continue looking at Matthew, we see Jesus gives a pretty strict warning here. In chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And I want us to hone in on one section of the scripture. I never knew you. The Enduring Word Commentary, one of the many fantastic Bible commentaries out there, interprets the words like this. In the end, there is one basis of salvation. It isn't mere verbal confession, not spiritual works, but knowing Jesus and being known by him. Come on. You know Jesus knows us better than we even know ourselves. I always think back to the scripture where it talks about how God knows the amount of hair on our head, like yeah. he has an account of how many hairs we have on our head. And I looked it up just because I was curious when I was doing this. We lose like a hundred of those a day. <laughs> so Jesus is like keeping a tally. He knows how many <laughs> hairs on your head. So I do believe when we arrive before him, he will ask us all one question. How well do you know me? Did you know the plan I had for your life, the amazing works my father wanted to do through you? Did you know how much love I held for you? And there are times in my life where I can look and I can see, yes, I knew that Jesus loved me in that moment. Mm. But there are times where I can look and say, no, I don't think I realized that Jesus was loving me just as much then as he was when I was in the good place or I was feeling good. You know, there is only one way into the kingdom. And that is through Jesus. Not personal accomplishments or ambitions or good works, only through a relationship with Jesus, through a personal desire to know him, are we able to come to the kingdom. So good. So we're covering right now, we're covering the direction, we're covering our heart, the position, our desires, the inner and outer alignment. Then we're covering the desire of our heart and saying, do we want to actually know Jesus? Because that's the only way. Kingdom principle number four is that there's only one way to build a good life. There's only one way. There's only one way to build a good life. The entire series has been focused on developing good disciplines that make the right choices and ultimately in our lives mean that if we make those right choices, we'll develop the right foundation. And I use that word strategically, foundation, because that's actually what Jesus goes into next. In the exact scripture, immediately following this analogy, Mm -hmm. he jumps right into this, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, we look uh, at the visible characteristics of, of someone having a good life, and we think that that must, that must mean that they have built their life on something stable, mm-hmm. right? We look all around us, even in the world, it's really easy to look at celebrity, look at fame, stardom, and say, wow, they must have their life built on a great foundation. Look how successful they are. But in Jesus' illustration that of the two builders, um, each house looked the same. Each of them came out with a house. Each of them have a home. Uh, the real foundation of our life is usually hidden. It's hidden, and it's only really proven in the storm. And we could say that storms come from both heaven, in the rain, and also on the earth, the floods. And so as we look at this contrast, it's, we have to say the foundation of our lives will only be proven when we come under pressure, when we go through challenges, struggles. Uh, both people, both people trying to live different ways can have a home. But Jesus warns us that the foundation of our lives will be shaken at some time or another. Mm-hmm. And church, for us, it's both now and at judgment. It's both now and at judgment. So we may think that our foundation is secure, but we have to really dig in. We have to really go and say, God, what are you saying to me about my life? What kind of fruit am I bearing? Because I don't want to get to judgment and realize I have a terrible foundation. I don't mm-hmm. want that right? Everything we've discussed today so far hinges on the truth that we can't merely hear God's word and not make any actual changes. But in the same way, what we don't want you to do is go away thinking that it's all about works, Mm -hmm. that it's all about just proving your worth to God, that you just have to do good things to be seen as in good light from God. And that's not it at all. Living in the kingdom is so much more than that. It's about where you're going, Mm -hmm. what direction you're heading, position of your heart. Is it aligned with your outer behavior? Do you choose to know Jesus? Is it about knowing him? And then ultimately saying, you got to know him. There's only one way. You got to know. You got to be doers of his word, Mm -hmm. not just mere hearers. You know, James Bryan Smith says in the book, spiritual exercises are wise practices that develop and enhance our life with God, but they are not spiritual merit badges that determine how God feels about us. You know, it's so true that at times we can feel like because I'm doing things, God loves me more, because I'm not doing things, God loves me less. Mm. But the reality is, is that God's love is stable. Yes. He is the foundation that we build off of. And the truth is, is that we just don't want to see disciples of Christ just live at just the entry point. We want to see people walk down that path, live in maturity and growth, and realize that there is so much more to discipleship than just believing. There is relationship and opportunity to grow in your relationship with God each and every day. In the same way, you got to be doers of the word. You cannot just come to church on a Sunday and just hear us talk about it. Hearing of the word and not doing anything on your own doesn't make it real in your life. It doesn't actually create a foundation of truth. If you go home and don't actually shape your life around the truth, we we have to work hard. This is the gaslight moment for all of us. You know, this is that moment where the gaslight's coming on, the end of this book, you know, and some, some people have come up to us during the series and says, I haven't read a single chapter. What? What are you doing? We're not mad. 
We're not mad. That's your choice. But why not? Why would you not want to live in the kingdom day by day? Why would you not want every single resource available to you to understand what it means to know Jesus and be known by him more? Jesus loves you. He loves you where you're at and most importantly, who you were created to be. And all of these examples we share are God's desire to know you and be known by you. The kingdom is not some far-off place disconnected from reality. We like to think of it that way sometimes as, God, your kingdom come. But it's actually that God's kingdom would be revealed in us, that we would be, you know, start to be flag bearers of that kingdom, that we would live in such a way that we would start to see the kingdom produced in our life and would be an overflow for others has tangible and real opportunities for us each and every single day, but you have to make the choice to say, I'm willing, and I'm positioned to want to know you more. It's so true. The most beautiful thing is that as you mature and grow in these disciplines, the kingdom is revealed in your life. Yeah. And in the lives of others, living in the kingdom day by day, it takes effort. It is a relationship But through that relationship, by pursuing Christ, we give permission to God to shape us from the inside out, as we talked about before. We give permission to him to come into our lives and show us the way that we need to be walking down. And you know what? I do believe that we want to see this church become not the statistic, not the 10%, but we are believing that we can have a church of 100%. 100% disciples who desire to follow God and lift up his Come name on. and be an influence in the community. Yes. Because, I mean, we are going into the next book, the be- good yes. and beautiful community. We cannot have a good and beautiful community without individuals who are following Christ Come and on. desiring to live with him. So good. That wasn't written down, just so you know. <laughs> That's so good, man. So good. Guys, there's a, yes, come on, amen. There's a reason there's a reason why the first book of the series is Good and Beautiful God. Then there's a reason why it comes to Good and Beautiful Life. And then Good and Beautiful Community. You hit it right on the head. Uh, Pastor Greg, in, in prayer and in listening to what the Holy Spirit is doing, is trying to just usher in, provide for us an opportunity for us to grow in understanding how to live in the kingdom. How to live in the kingdom. And this is all part of it. It's all connected. Jesus' narrative, when it comes down to it, is really this. His narrative is abide in and bear fruit. And to abide means to rest and rely on Jesus, who's not outside of us judging us, but inside of us empowering us. And this is the greatest indication of whether or not our disciplines are shaping us to be and reflect more of the world or more of the kingdom, the character and clothing of Christ. And for us living in here and and now, we have to remember that we live in the already but not yet kingdom. We live in that place, the already but not yet kingdom. The kingdom of God is here, but not yet fully glorified on earth. And, And as Christians, we have an opportunity to have more than a glimpse, mm-hmm. to have more than a glimpse, but to actually experience life in the kingdom, a totally set apart way, a totally different way of living. And we need to ask ourselves, how can we help people around us get a small glimpse of the glory and beauty and majesty of the kingdom right now? Mm-hmm. How can we help them do that? More specifically, what does it mean as it relates to our daily work? to our life, to our relationships, to our marriages. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? How do we live out our lives on earth as they are in heaven? How do we do that? Yeah, you know, life doesn't always look like the kind of kingdom we'd like to live in. 
yeah. the most important thing to realize is we were never meant to manage it on our own. We have a partner. We have someone available to us to walk with us, and that person is the Holy Spirit. Come on. I mean, he makes all the difference. Yeah, Pastor Greg talked about it in the first and early weeks of the series. He talked about how the Holy Spirit is our, is our provider, is our helper. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to reject our sinful nature, our hu human nature, uh, to our old way of living. The Holy Spirit enters and comes in and gives us an entirely new way of living, gives us a new perspective, gives us the power to walk on the narrow road. By following the Holy Spirit's leading, the goal and the reflection in our lives is that we can mature and develop into experiencing kingdom living. How many of you want to live in the kingdom? Like, do you want to live Amen. in the kingdom? Are you excited about living in the kingdom? Amen. Because it's way better than this kingdom, than this world, just so you know. If you're happy with the life you have, Dad, we're not doing it right. Okay, we should <laughs> never be satisfied with the life we have on earth because the kingdom is coming. And, and Jesus is entering us into a process as we accept him into our life. Man, it can't end there. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. So it cannot end there. We, we have this amazing thing that happens as we accept Jesus into our life. God says, guess what? I'm not even close to done with you yet. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us, to equip us, to allow us to do things that are completely out of normal, out of this world, so that we can represent the kingdom here on earth. And this is a discipline that you and I have to choose every single day. And it starts with creating space, mm -hmm. creating time, prioritizing your relationship with God and choosing to discipline ourselves to live in dependence on the Holy Spirit each and every day. It, we cannot start our day saying, Jesus, thank you for today. Bless the food to our body. Amen. And then never ask the Holy Spirit for the assistance and the power to operate in this world. Mm -hmm. We can't do it that way. So true. You know, when I accepted Jesus into my life, I felt like I was overflowing with energy, like I had a purpose beyond myself, something to drive me and keep me going. And I just had someone in my life who loves me, who mm. desires to be with me and walk with me each and every day as I navigate the challenges that come with life. And we all have challenges. We all have yeah. different struggles and issues, but Jesus wants to partner with you. And the Holy Spirit is there, ready and available to come alongside you and partner with you, to fill you up and say, I want to walk this walk with you. Yeah. I want to walk down the narrow path with you. And as much as it's been available to me, so too is it available to every person in this room. We only need to call on him. So good. And, and you know, the most amazing thing is the humbling thing for each and every one of us. I'll invite the band to come up now. The most humbling thing for each and every one of us is to realize that Jesus did it first. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit as much as you and I do. And Jesus was perfect. Jesus had it all together. Jesus was, had the mission, had the vision, had the goal. And yet, Jesus received the Holy Spirit and was empowered by the Holy Spirit to operate on earth. Not on earth as it is in earth, but on earth as it is in heaven right? Jesus presented a new way. Pastor Greg talked about the importance of, of Palm Sunday and a triumph, and I just want to pull back to that for a minute because it's an incredible representation of what we're doing, not only today, but what we're talking about. You know, when the conquering king would come in after their victory, the size of the triumph would op often be a representative of the size of the victory, and there would be people that would be celebrating and cheering and encouraging as the king would return, and Jesus this long-awaited Messiah comes forward and comes on, the, on, the, on a donkey, on a donkey, 
humble and comes in and people are waving palm branches. My church growing up, we used to have palm branches. They're just so hard to clean up after. But they'd wave palm branches. And they'd wave them and shout, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! And they're ushering in, they're welcoming, they're celebrating the coming of a king. How many of you know that the king they expected was, was not really even the king that came? You know, they, they expected a king to come that would conquer their enemies, that would swipe down every enemy that came against them. But Jesus came to not, not hurt or harm anybody, but he came to say, I want relationship with you. The way to know my father is through me, and I want to know you. And so I, I don't even think they realized. Can you imagine just for a second? Just imagine those doors just burst open. And Jesus comes in on a donkey. We would all stand up and be like, Hosanna, right? Like, we would be so excited. I've been watching golf, I told you. Tiger Woods is back playing golf. And people follow him from hole to hole to hole to hole to hole. And they're not even following the leader who's winning the the championship. There's something that happens, church, when people follow someone. We have to get in the position to follow Jesus, to give him authority in every area of our life to choose the narrow, to choose the way of pressure, to to grow, to be okay saying, I don't want this baggage, I'm going to set it aside. And to say, I want to live for you, I want to know you, I'm going to head that way. Then we have to start to look and say, wow, the fruit that's piling up around me is nothing but delicious. It's so good. God, you're amazing. Yes, it's challenging. Yes, it's hard. But God, the fruit you're building in my life is good. And it's going to bear more fruit people around me are going to see it. People around me are going to choose the kingdom as a result of it. And as we start to shift and build our relationship on Jesus, he empowers us with the Holy Spirit. and He gives us the strength that we need to carry on, to press on. There is only one way to the good and beautiful life, and that is through the person of Jesus. You want to live in the kingdom day by day, church? It starts and it ends with this process each and every day of acknowledging that you are in need of a Savior that you are ushering in a king and that you have an opportunity to carry forward that banner into every interaction you have every day. We're going to pray right now before we jump into communion. So if you have your communion, you might as well get that ready. I I felt to give uh, us the opportunity today before we take communion to give anybody the opportunity to choose Christ before. Because how amazing is it that as we enter this Easter week, but not only that, but just the the fact that we get to take communion and all that it means, it's pretty significant, it's pretty important as a believer that we know what this means before we take it. And so if you're here today and wondering, you know, I want to know more about what this life with Jesus is all about, this sounds good, this is what I've been craving, this is what I'm needing. Everybody just close their eyes with me right now. I just want to pray over you that, God, that you would speak today, right now, that your Holy Spirit would empower each and every person in this room to fully understand the kingdom that can be revealed in their life through their actions, through their decisions, through their coming and goings each and every day. God, that you would be working in them to produce good fruit, to produce strength and courage to face all that this world has. With your eyes closed, I just want to give you the opportunity, if you're here today and want to know Jesus, and you are tired of living the world's way, you're tired of seeing the the fruit being 
fulfilled in your life, the fruit that's coming from the way you're living is sour. It's bitter. It's not good to the taste. And you want to choose Jesus. Would you just raise your hand today? Would you raise your hand if you want to commit your life? Yes. Yes. If you're online, put a button up there and you can press yes. I see your hands. We're going to pray right now with those of you. Everybody will repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for paving a way. Thank you for paving a way. So that I don't have to live in sin. So that I don't have to live in sin. God, I choose you. God, I choose you. And relationship with you. And relationship with and you. And want to live in the kingdom. And want to live in the kingdom. Day by day. Day by day. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's make some noise for those that chose. Church, if you have, if you need communion right now, if you just accepted Jesus and you need communion right now, maybe a couple uh, people, maybe some of our staff, if you're around, if you guys could grab the, the bucket over there and just take a walk if you don't mind. Um, anybody can do that over there. That'd be great. If you just want to grab the bucket and take a walk through. If you want communion right now, now's the time. Now is the time in choosing to commit your life to Jesus. There's no better time because Jesus in relationship with those that followed him out of the, you know, the connection that he had made with his friends, with people that got this, that chose the narrow way, that were formed under pressure. He sat around with them on the night that he was betrayed and he sat around the table with them and he broke bread. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you eat of this, remember me. Let's eat together. Then he took the wine. He held the wine up and he said, knowing that the suffering that he was going to experience was coming, he said, this is my blood, which will be poured out for you. Every time you drink of this, remember me. Let's drink this together. act of communion, the very act of partaking in communion is literally what it means to live in the kingdom day by day. Is to understand that you have a God who sent his son to come, to live, to usher in a new kingdom, to carry the weight and the burden of your sin, to die and suffer for you so that he could be risen again to conquer that for you, to usher in the new kingdom. It's so good, church. And as we enter this Easter season, we just want to encourage you that the good and beautiful life, life lived in the kingdom, is available to those of us who choose to live in this truth. We're going to sing together right now. We're going to declare that there is nothing else that we want more than Jesus. We're going to sing Yes, I Will together. So why don't you stand your feet as we close together this morning. I count on one thing, the same God who never failed will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same god who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out yes i will lift you high in the lowest valley yes i will bless your name
same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. You're the same God who's never late. You're working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will and I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all Nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand against. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will. When my heart is heavy all my days, oh yes, I will for all my days. Oh yes, I will for all my days. Oh yes, I will. So good. So good, church. Hey, let's just, um, where's Skylar? Skylar, come on back out here. Let's give Skylar a big round of applause today. Skylar. You guys, we, uh, we had such an amazing time together, just learning and crafting and shaping today for you. Um, but I need you to understand that the work that God's been doing for us is so much in our own hearts as well, that we are working and actively trying to live this out in a real way. And guys, Skylar is such a good example of this of what it looks like to live in the kingdom day by day. Doesn't have it all figured out. Doesn't have all the answers. Sometimes when we wish we do, right? But you know, the, the coolest thing to me is that we both grew up in really different ways. I grew up in a, in a Christian home and where the, the faith kind of became my own. And, and eventually I, I got to choose that. And Skylar didn't grow up in a Christian home, but chose to live in the kingdom exactly this way, day by day, making a choice to choose him. So guys, right here together, we're standing here telling you that this is the best way. This is the only way. Yes, we will. We will follow Christ with everything we have. So one more time, let's give God all of our praise today. You are loved. We pray for you this week that you would go in the grace of God, that he would encourage you, he would equip you, that the Holy Spirit would empower you to live, not in this world and of the world, but in the kingdom that is going to come. God, I pray today that you would empower our people to be world shapers, to be world changers. God, that they would leave today so drastically different from the way that they came, that we would make changes in our life to choose to say, God, you sit on the seat. You sit on the seat and you rule all day long because it is a better way, and I'm going to trust you today. Father, give us strength, give us courage, give us hope as we look forward to all that you're going to do in our life. And everybody said. Amen. We'll see you next week for Easter Church. Have an awesome rest of your week. Thanks for coming today.